Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start. Welcome to one more episode. Today, I will talk about pooling and multiplexing samples. As always, I will start with the basic, the terms. What is pooling or pooling samples? I always compare it to car pooling. Let's say that me and you, we want to get a car, taxi, Uber to go to the same place. And to decrease the cost of our ride, we will be sharing the same car. This is what is called car pooling. Let's imagine then that each person is one sample and the car, one, is an Eppendorf tube. In a single cell experiment, when we are pulling samples, the same will happen. We will be combining different samples in one tube and we will process them as one complex sample. The pooling will simplify the experimental process since we are processing two samples in one go. It will also decrease the variability or the bias. Why? Because if we process two samples individually in two different experiments, we will be handling the samples in different ways. Even if it's very tiny differences, they will add up and we will introduce bias in our experiments. But here, since we are processing two samples in the same way, we will reduce this bias or the technical variability. And of course, we will also reduce the cost. It will be two in one. What is then multiplexing? Let's say that is pooling, but with a previous step. Because in this case, when we do multiplexing, we want to identify the original sample of each individual cell. So now let's imagine again the car pulling. Here, the persons will be identical twins. Yeah. And to distinguish the different places from where the car driver picked them up, we will need to tag them before they enter at the car. Let's imagine that they will need to dress a t-shirt with a unique color or a unique sentence, or you can color their hair, well, whatever makes them unique. This is what we will need to do to our samples before we pull them. Label each one with a unique molecular tag. After that, we will be able to mix the samples together at the same tube. And this is what we call samples multiplexing. Here again, the individual samples that make part of a complex sample will be processed together and the advantages are very similar to the same that I mentioned before for the pooling. However, in some cases, as you will see after, we can be introducing bias or more variability to our samples because in certain cases we'll need to handle more our samples. After sequencing a multiplex sample, we will need to assign each individual cell to the individual sample they come from. For example, we had two individual samples. The sample number one, to which we put the tag A, and the number two, that will have the tag B. What we will do? We will check each individual cell and all the ones that have the tag A, we will know that they belong to sample number one. The ones that have the tag B, we will know that belongs to sample number two. 
Of course, at the lab, this is done automatically using a computer program or a pipeline while doing the data analysis. And this process is what we call demultiplexing. Now, I will tell you what types of tags can we use for multiplexing our samples. Hey there, wonderful listeners! I hope you are enjoying this podcast. As we explore fascinating topics, I wanted to take a quick moment to remind you about supporting the content of this podcast. If you are finding value in this podcast, please consider buying me a coffee. I love coffee. Your contribution will support my passion and dedication to deliver the newest topics in single-cell technology every Monday. It shows me that you appreciate the effort that I put into researching, preparing and presenting the last insights in single-cell world. So, if you are ready to show your support and be a crucial part of this podcast grow, head over the episode description and buy me a coffee. Your generosity makes a world of difference. Thanks for considering supporting this podcast. Now let's dive back into the episode. The simple one is when our samples already have their unique natural text, their genotype. This is the case when we have different individuals that between themselves they have at least 50 different SNPs, single nucleotides polymorphisms. This will be enough to do the demultiplexing. But attention, pay attention here. In the case we are doing a single-cell DNA sequencing experiment, we may get this information from our sequencing data. Concerning the single-cell RNA sequencing experiments, we will always need to keep a small amount of sample to extract DNA and to do a genotyping, a genotype array, to get the information of the SNPs. My advice is for you to do this first and see if based on the SNP array you can distinguish the different samples. After we have the results from the SNP array, what we will do is to identify the SNPs that we have per sample on the mRNA data that we got from our single cell experiment. Like this, we will be able to identify the source of each individual cell. Ah, this strategy can be used in single cell or single nuclei experiments, but essential are individuals they need to have different genetic background. A second method that we can use to tag our samples, I will say that is the traditional or it was the traditional until recently, is the one where we use hashing antibodies. We do cell hashing. Here, as you already imagined, we will need antibodies. And for single cell experiments, they are commercialized by BioLegend. They are specific antibodies since they have a unique tag. Oligonucleotide barcode is basically a sequence of base pairs. And they are tagging uniquely the antibody. This tag will work as a synthetic DNA or RNA that will be amplified during our single cell experiment. Before pulling our samples, what we will need to do is to incubate each individual sample with a specific antibody. These antibodies are designed against general expressed surface proteins. And in my experience is that for cells, it works very well. However, for nuclei, it's not like that. And why? Because the nuclei, they are more sensitive. And to use nuclear etching antibodies, we need intact nuclear membranes. 
And to be honest, it's difficult. So we don't get really mm, clean data. So I don't recommend it. The last and more efficient multiplexing method is the one that uses lipid tags. Why are these more efficient? Because the lipids will label our cells simply by entering the membranes of our cells. It is not dependent if the cells or nuclei are expressing proteins. The staining is faster. While using antibodies, we need to incubate our samples or our cells around 30 minutes. Here with the lipids, it's just 5 minutes. So it gives us cleaner data. They are, this method is faster and is universal. Okay. One option is, for example, the multi-seq lipids that are sold by Sigma. I will leave all the links for this podcast episode at the podcast description. The next question is, when should we pull or multiplex our samples? We should pull when we need, for example, to increase the sample throughput, to increase the amount of cells. Let's imagine that to do a certain single cell technology, the minimum amount of cells that we will need are 30 cells. And the sample one that we have, it has 10 cells. The sample two, it has 20 cells. If we want to process these samples individually, we will not be able because we don't have enough amount of cells. But if we pull these two samples, yes. Other case is when we want to represent samples intervariability. For example, pulling three wild-type mice. Pulling samples will make us reassure that these three mice, the variability that there is in this population, will be represented at the end in our single cell data. The sample multiplexing can be used mainly in two situations. The same as I mentioned for the sample pooling, where we need to increase the number of cells for our single cell experiment. But here at the end, we will need to assign each individual cell to the sample of origin. For that, we need to do multiplexing, not pooling. The other is when we have a lot of samples, a huge amount of samples, but we will never have a budget. So we need to reduce costs. And for that, we can do sample multiplexing. Important to mention that for us to multiplex our samples, this requires more optimization when we are comparing to sample pooling. Because when we are pulling samples, we just put them, we mix them in one tube. We don't need to do the previous step where we stain or we tag our samples. So for multiplexing, we need to do certain optimization. Otherwise, we can introduce batch effects especially in the case we are using ashing antibodies or site-seek antibodies that they are similar to ashing antibodies, but they are against a specific protein, like for example, CD45. So these are specific antibodies. Or even in the case of we are using lipid tags. Why? Because we will need to do washing steps where we can stress and lose a lot of cells. So we need optimization here. In conclusion, pooling and multiplexing samples are two different methods for processing multiple samples, different samples, in a single run. The multiplexing samples is only needed to identify which cells belong to which sample. And this we need to use in the multiplexing. Is everything for today. Thank you so much for listening and I hope this episode was useful. 
Thanks for listening to the Single Cell World podcast. If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at Single Cell World or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com. Well, I will wait for you next Monday with a new episode. <music>